kids get the popcorn out. Let me tell you the story of the space Viking, Thor Odinson. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome into a bonus episode of the Direct Podcast. Today is our Thor Love and Thunder Primer episode. Everything you need to know ahead of Thor Love and Thunder. I am your host, the god of podcasting, Matt Rimke. No, don't like it. Too braggy. Um, <laughs> I need to figure this out. I'm your host, Soft Baby Matt Rimke. We'll do a Thor one next week. Joined, as always, by my co-host, our resident box office correspondent, David Thompson. David. Hey, Matt. How we doing? It's uh, it's almost here. Thor, Love, and Thunder. The fourth of the franchise, but really just a sequel to Ragnarok, it yeah, feels right. like to me. <laughs> Um, it's, it is the fourth Thor movie, but to me, it's really like, all right, we get Ragnarok too. That's, that's really how it feels. So, and I am stoked. I love Ragnarok and I'm really excited to see this movie. hundred percent. I think we all are. Ragnarok is a fan favorite across the board. Um, for those who didn't listen to our episode earlier this week, uh, episode 98, me, David and Thomas Carter Rochester, we drafted the best Thor moments in the Infinity Saga. And we spent a lot of time talking about the character of Thor and the world that he lives in within the MCU. So please, I encourage you to go back and listen to that for our thoughts on Thor, the character so far. So now we can kind of focus on what we're expecting and what we're looking forward to in this movie, Thor, Love and Thunder. It's interesting you said it was a Ragnarok sequel because I was thinking about it today. You know, there's that thing where the Incredible Hulk obviously couldn't get like a movie trilogy because of rights issues and just, you know, the way the Incredible Hulk was played with Iron Man, all those things. So they kind of made a trilogy for Hulk, Bruce Banner, in Ragnarok, Infinity War, and Endgame. I really believe that Ragnarok, Infinity War, and Endgame also plays as one grand story for Thor. There's yeah. so much character development between the point A of Ragnarok and his final moment in Endgame heading off into the galaxy with the Guardians of said galaxy. So I'm very excited to see where they go from here because, David, it really feels like this is almost like a clean slate kind of movie, right? This isn't. There isn't a lot of stipulations from the last movie that are carrying over plot-wise. Obviously, character-wise and story-wise, we're going to hear a lot of things about what's happened in the past and where we are after Endgame. But plot-wise, this is Thor on a new journey, a new quest, so to speak. There is no Asgard. There is yeah. no indication that we're going to be spending a lot of time on Earth, specifically with the Avengers. You know what I mean? New Asgard is going to be there, but that's a kind of a different sector. So many things. So with Thor, Chris Hemsworth's God of Thunder. We spent an entire draft talking about how great Chris Hemsworth is in this role. So first question off the top, everybody's asking, do you predict that this is going to be the last time we see Hemsworth strap on the muscles for the God of Thunder? No, I do not think it's going to be Love the last it. time. Um, <laughs> simply, simply put, no. I think Hemsworth still has more to give. And in recent quotes, he said, like, basically, I'm not giving this up until they kick me out, practically. Um, who knows? Maybe plot-wise and the storyline being told here, it will be the end of him sometime soon, maybe sooner than he would even like as the actor. But I think he's. I think he was a bit reborn, rejuvenized after Ragnarok, during Ragnarok, in the Thor character. I think he's gone on record saying he was getting kind of tired after Thor 1, Avengers, Thor 2, and Ultron of what the character was, right? How it was acting as Odin's son. And now I think that since Ragnarok, since Infinity War, since Endgame, like I mentioned um, when we talked to Thomas in the draft, like 
Hemsworth has gone through all these like different metamorphoses of metamorphoses. Yeah, yeah. Of Thor. And now we've reached this point. <clears throat> like you said, it's a bit of a reset, right? We're gonna get we're gonna go from bro Thor back to this new kind of you know, ripped, jacked Punk god of thunder. <laughs> yeah. Uh <laughs> to you know, and we'll see where that takes us. But I feel like this movie is gonna be awesome. I don't see it as like the swan song for Hemsworth, though. I see this as maybe they will do a Taika Waititi trilogy of Thor movies, right? I could see more something like that. I would love to have Thor in an Avengers movie, right? I would love to still have some of that connective phase one tissue you know infinity saga tissue in this next generation of marvel heroes so i hope it's not his last time i don't think it will be i don't think that's the story here i think the story is just his next adventure next adventure and if you think about thor you know just the concept he's a god right he, he's supposed to last a long long time so it makes sense that he would kind of outlast an iron man or a captain america right and he would have more of a story and the way he's just been completely kind of retold and just given extra life. I hope it's not the end. I'm excited for this movie and beyond. Absolutely. To infinity and yes. beyond. Um, I think that what raises the question for, is this Thor's last run? Kind of the trailer core talking about, let me tell you a story about a man named Thor. And, you know, obviously like, you know, talking as if, you know, he is retired and there's retirement themes throughout the entire uh, trailer. It's very obvious that this is like a, a new peaceful Thor. And that's really what the story was at the end of Endgame. you know, like right. go be who you want to be, not who you're supposed to be. So in theory, we're going to go see him be who he wants to be, who that is. We don't know. Um, but we've seen bro Thor. We've seen funny Thor. You know, he likes the drinking. He likes the women, all that different stuff. And I'm excited to see that charismatic and then get jolted in the face with whatever reality he comes into play with, with Gore, the God butcher. What I'm excited for the most out of Hemsworth here is to have lived in this new iteration of Thor for so long. Because we talk about YTC a lot, and obviously he did so much for the franchise and for Hemsworth's career and all these different things. What the Russo brothers and Chris Hemsworth were able to do in Infinity War and Endgame with such a range of emotion in that character, I think is really important here because we know in our back pocket, you know, we can get the funniest Thor we can possibly imagine. And then out of nowhere, the tears start welling up and we get a very dramatic scene. So I'm excited for surprise range coming out of Hemsworth here. I think that's going to be really awesome. Another thing, and we talked about this in our draft a lot. He's, he's the Superman of the MCU. The Superman problem is he's too powerful to be realistically in any situation with anybody. So they always right. have found creative ways when Thor is in a team environment to take him out of the fisticuffs of it all. For example, Avengers one, when the battle starts, he's just shooting the lightning bolt straight into the sky. You know, mm -hmm. that's his most powerful move at the time. It also negates him from just punching a Leviathan in the face. Right. And dark world, Ultron even says it, Thor, you're bothering me. So I'm going to take you one-on-one -on -one. Ultron versus Thor an underrated battle in the MCU. And then obviously Avengers Endgame, they take out Thor first to take him off the board so we can progress, yada, 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 right? Yeah. What I think we're going to get here is the first, like, real sense of somebody combating Thor. We got Hela in a very awesome way, but even with the Hela stuff, we the one-on-one -on -one ended rather quickly, and then we got him, you know, uh, Immigrant Song, right? Right. This is going to be Thor versus Gore, Thor and team. First score. So, like, 
how powerful is Gore going to be? You know what I mean? I think we move on to that. Yeah. Christian Bale as Gore, the God Butcher, the return to comic book movies for Christian Bale. A lot of our Batman. You know, I grew up with the Michael Keaton Batman, and then obviously I was in, I was in eighth grade when Dark Knight came out. So cinema, you know what I mean? So I kind of claim both. <laughs> Um, but I'm sure for you and a lot of people that are going to go see Ragnarok, they're about to go see Batman play a Marvel villain again because right. he already did it, um, which is very <laughs> exciting. True. As far as Christian Bale's gore, I want to ask you just kind of overall his mission to kill gods, his look as Gore the God Butcher and what we think his powers could be. What of those three elements are you most excited about? I think um, just the man himself, just Christian Bale being a mcu villain sign me up since day one on this like and it's it, i'll be honest it is the thing i am most excited about this movie like you don't just get a christian bale in the mcu every day right and the fact that he's playing this villain um that it, he is gore the god butcher like, i cannot wait to see what he brings to the mcu what he brings to this character like it's gonna there's gonna be a ton of laughs there's gonna be a ton of jokes it's gonna be kind of this a ton of hemsworth one-liners and korg one-liners and la da da but when it turns, right, when you mentioned that, like when it switches, when the switch flips and we get Gore, right, who's just annihilated someone or something and things get serious real quick, I can't wait for that moment. That juxtaposition Taika Waititi does so well, of, like leaving you happy and laughing and satisfied with them being like, oh, my gosh, this is terrible and horrible. And I'm feeling the emotions right now. So really, the look is one thing. I know it's controversial. I love it. I'm excited to see. I, I know I, it's funny you say that because I like it too. Like, I think it looks great. I think it's going to be a weird kind of like morphing thing with his face too. Cause it's shots where it, does, it looks more comic book esque, and then his exactly. nose pops out. Exactly. Yeah. It's like, um, Anakin like, right. This yeah. is like the MCU. Like this is what the MCU does, right? They take stuff from the comics and they make it, you know, they, they make it live action and they do what they need. They need to with it. Um, I like that. It's not going to be all CGI though, too. Like I, I'm glad it's not, Chris Christian Bale in a mocap suit. I'm glad it's actually him in makeup um, in a robe looking very skinny and scrawny, but of course, very powerful. Like we've gotten very small little glimpses of what his action is actually going to look like and what his power is going to look like. And man, I cannot wait to get more because this dude's a badass. Like in the comics, this dude is not, you do not yeah. mess around with gore. Um, I think it'd be really cool if they kept him alive too. Cause you'd figure by the end of the movie, you know, uh, mighty Thor and Thor will like save the day and destroy him. Valkyrie as well, like destroy him. I think it'd be cool if we kept him around a little bit. I don't want Christian Bale to be one and done, but maybe he will. I know a big part of him being in the MCU is really just because he does he doesn't really think he's in the MCU. He doesn't really understand what that even really means to the fans. He doesn't uh, he movies, just, remember. He just likes Taika Waititi, <laughs> and uh, it was like and it's like, hey, this sounds cool. I'd love to work with you, and here we are. So I will take it. Um, anything that stands out for you, Matt, when it comes to Gore himself? So, yeah, I mean, like the look is the look and I, you know, people almost want to like tiptoe around it. Like it's a lame excuse. You can't make him look like Voldemort. You just can't. It's one of the most successful movie franchises of all time. Voldemort is up there with Vader as one of the greatest villains of all time, or at least one of the most iconic, right? It's Vader and Voldemort. I'm pretty sure that's it. And maybe Thanos now. But, um, you know, so like avoiding the Baltimore, the Baltimore thing as much as you can is imperative. And I think that's just something we need to accept. What's going to be nice is I don't think it's going to be distracting at all. The look. No. I don't think anybody's going to be looking at this like I can't enjoy this movie because Christian Bale looks the way he looks. 
juxtapose that to Zombie Strange at the end of Baltimore's Madness. Very much took me out of it, um, which is, you know, I don't think that's what we're going to get here. I like your call there, though. Like, there are moments where he looks more alien than human. You know what I mean? So seeing that transformation, like Anakin in his eyes, I think is going to be a very cool thing. As far as, like, gore, like, the mission of killing gods, that's obviously what's going to get Thor off the bench, which is going to be very exciting. I don't want to speak too much on it simply because I want to be surprised by the scale of it. You know, how are they going to show him killing gods? How are they going to show right. Thor finding out? I think that's yes. going to be a big one. Um, but as far as his action, it's, you know, he's got this skinny physique to him and this big necro sword that could be symbiotide, could be venom tied. But mm. like when he goes to lift it, I almost want it to be heavy. You know what I mean? And like he has to like uniquely maneuver <laughs> yeah. it um, like Mando in Book of Boba Fett. I, I like the idea of him having a very unique sword fighting style because that's something we haven't seen a lot of specifically in the MCU. So um, it'll be super exciting. I cannot wait to see Christian Bale come back. And speaking of people coming back, speaking of Star Wars references, and speaking of Anakin Skywalker, Natalie Portman <laughs> is back as the mighty Thor Jane Foster. Um, I have watched Thor, Thor Dark World, and Ragnarok over these past couple weeks. Um, shout, out to our, shout out to the guys that are kind of funny um, <coughs> um, for doing the rewatch. Um, oh my God, is one of the more charming lines in the MCU. And then Dark World happens, and we don't get a lot from Natalie Portman. A lot of range here. We have seen Portman drop the ball in these types of movies. I don't think it happens here. That's the Taika Waititi ness of it. I think a lot yeah. of people are focused on the look. Because she is jack sauced, which is great. She looks fantastic. Her hair is so blonde. I don't think I've ever seen Natalie Portman's hair this blonde. Um, Very blonde, yes. So blonde, right? Like, like yeah. comic book Thor blonde. <laughs> like, um, so you know, there's a lot of about the look and just the fact that she's coming back. Her performance in this movie, though, I think is imperative because that's where I think I don't, I don't know. I'm conflicted. I want to say the emotional aspect of this movie is going to come from Jane. But also, I can see her just being kind of along with the team. I like I like the idea of Jane and Valkyrie having a romance as opposed to Jane and Thor. Um, there's a lot of ways it can go. So what I guess what are you looking for out of Jane Foster, not Mighty Thor? Out of Jane Foster, what do you think? How do you think Taika uses her in this piece? Yeah, that's kind of where I'm. That's where my head's at. Like it's interesting how you pose that question because I'm looking for the Mighty Thor comic storyline of like she has cancer and yeah, she yeah. and she can only have and when she has Mjolnir, it kind of like counteracts all the chemo and radiation she was just doing, but she becomes this god, this superhero. Like I love and I think the sneaky thing about this this marketing, which is something that I know you've covered. And just in general has been covered where how the marketing has been shortened. It wasn't a very long run. Um, I but ran it's, the movement specific. for the Thor 4 trailer. You did. I led you, I led the parade. <laughs> yeah. No, you you did. And I know coming, I was on this podcast at some point. We were talking about it before I think it had dropped. And we were like, man, we are getting into dangerous territory. But we're here, right? We made it. And I think it's been marketed fine, which I think is a... a lesson to be learned for the future of marvel movies i don't think there should be these long drawn out nine month like parades give me it to, give it to me in 90 days right a three-month build-up especially with the mcu now there's so many shows and movies all the time you don't need it so off all that with the marketing itself now that we've had it i think they've been very specific to show the light fun side of the movie right they, to show the very like the the delightful parts of ragnarok that's back in this 
this show or, or this movie and Hemsworth is back and he's looking jacked and we, you know, we got all these new different characters and we got the, we got the guardians are here and it's all very oh. fun and delightful. <laughs> but I think what's going to hit hardest in this movie are the serious somber moments with Jane, maybe with Gore with Thor himself, right? Just, I think the story of it, like the love story, I, I do not, I think it will. I think that's a good theory and idea of it being like Jane and Valkyrie. That would have been interesting. But I I think what this movie is going to more be is getting back to Thor and Jane. And now that she has these powers and whatever's happening in her personal like health life, what that means, taking the lessons of because Thor has gone through hell and back since the last time they were together. 100%. So I think it should be a whole different relationship in a lot of different ways. And now the fact that she now wields Mjolnir um and is swinging that thing around and using it like it's a cool like magnet breaks it off and then comes back you imagine uh super awesome <laughs> just, yeah <It's> so cool <laughs> i just really want um the that like i want it to be serious i i not the whole thing it's not going to be serious most of the time but i want those moments to be there have those moments of oh my gosh like my heart's breaking or right. wow i really care about these characters right now so that's what i'm looking for out of jane foster kind of bring be the anchor i guess bring bring it back down to earth bring the story back down to earth sometimes be the loki of this movie right the character that always brings thor back down to earth loki yeah. be that so i think mm-hmm. There's something to be said. You know, you look at Winter Soldier to Civil War. You look at Homecoming to Far From Home. You look at Iron Man to Iron Man 2. There's always something learned from one sequel to another. The best example is Batman Begins to Dark Knight. Like, the the amount Christopher Nolan learned from Batman Begins while making Dark Knight is crazy. The things you can learn, as if you're talking about TT from Ragnarok, is maybe Hela wasn't scary enough. Like visually she was scary, but her presence maybe, it, it, maybe she was a little too lighthearted at times. Maybe Loki was a little too lighthearted at times. If you can use characters like Jane and Gore to bring in that seriousness and let Chris Hemsworth act against it, I think that's an important thing. And this sounds so presumptuous and like movie critic and, you know, whatever. But yeah. like, I think Hemsworth's Thor is best when he's acting against a, a more serious dynamic character as opposed to him initiating uh, the dynamics of a scene. You know what I mean? He is such a great he is such a great supporter in a scene, but he steals the presence still being the hulking character that he is. So yeah. I, I got a little in the weeds with the analogy there, but no, I like that. Um, yeah, I think I think letting letting Hemsworth find these moments of um groundedness between jane and gore i think it's gonna be really important for the pacing of this movie too because we're gonna be laughing a lot and to get shocked by something where that music drops out and all that mm-hmm. stuff it's gonna be interesting and one more thing you know going back to gore a little bit but it it goes along this point this is probably one of the most colorful marvel movies we'll ever see based on the promotional art the trailer it's as colorful as guardians 2 it's as colorful as doctor strange multiverse of madness like it is a very colorful movie gore's presence specifically is a lack of color the negative realm that they are playing in whatever it might be the black and whiteness it takes away the color like like doesn't just like take it away it sucks it out of you so i mm-hmm. think those scenes where gore is daunting i think is going to be really important and having jane work within that too maybe showing a little bit of her darkness in there as well could be very interesting and fun moving right along 
to the supporting characters. We're saving yeah. the crew for the end, obviously. But, um, you know, Korg, Meek, and Valkyrie, man, the Ragnarok crew is back. Uh, sans Loki, which is so sad when you think about it. Like, Loki died in this universe, and that's very sad to think about. Um, how's Thor going to deal with that? Um, Korg, Meek, Valkyrie, which one are you most excited to see more of in Love and Thunder? Oh, no doubt about it for me. 100% Korg. Give me Korg. I I love Korg. He was probably my favorite addition in Ragnarok. I thought just even in like the moment in Endgame, I mean, it's him and Meek, but like, you know, him sitting there playing Fortnite and stuff. Oh, he is just the best. Like he is just immediate, like, comedic relief to me just just take what he just performance as him the voice everything that his stature and he can he can mix around dude he's a fighter as well um he had some of the best he's had some of the best moments um when he's been on screen so i cannot wait for what they do with him and i think he's gonna be a main part i think he's gonna expand his role like we've seen in some of the trailers where it's like korg and thor out so looking much for yeah a lot of korg like it, where it's just him and hemsworth like doing something where it's like what and there's those couple shots where like it looks like the marketing has almost erased someone and it's like wait who else are they with and we'll find out soon yeah. um but korg is definitely my number one which seems like a slight to valkyrie which isn't as isn't at all i just am really excited about korg i think he's such a fun mcu character absolutely i think he's one of the funniest i think he's one of the best supporting characters you know this is a comedy so we don't need korg for comedic relief but he's going to provide so much impactful comedy here that I think going back one more time, it's going to allow Jane and Thor and Gore to kind of flex their dramatic muscles a little bit more. Now, the only thing, and you know, uh, our boy Liam Crowley, he has been very adamant about this stance against Thor Ragnarok, where uh, Asgard gets destroyed. Ragnarok happens. It's the end of an era for the MCU. And Korg is there to make a joke and kind of take the air out of the moment a lot of people find it funny. The foundations are strong. We can rebuild. Like, it is funny. But it, I agree with Liam. It does kind of take the air out of the drama of that scene. I think I think as a whole, I think we've all come to an agreement that we're looking for a little less of that. But also, at the end of the day, this isn't Ragnarok. This isn't the end of a world. This is a god mm-hmm. butcher. Sure. But it's going to all depend on the stakes in the moment. I think Korg needs to play within the stakes of the situation in a very uh, uh, mindful way. And yeah. I think Ty- that's another thing I think Taika can learn from Ragnarok and bring to Love and Thunder and improve upon. Um, as far as Valkyrie, I think one of the most badass characters in the MCU, like as far as like pure badassness, yeah. her, her some of the best costumes by far. Um, just, you know, Tessa Thompson, uh, her and Zoe Kravitz have the same kind of just enigmatic energy great call they're fun to look at like like obviously they're beautiful people but like they are energetic to look at and i think that they have that kind of same stigma that scene where she licks the sword in the middle of that fight in the trailer it's the sexiest mcu scene i've ever seen ever like and that includes (laughs) captain america flipping the arm over which is up to this point, the sexiest MCU scene you'll ever see. <laughs> so it's it's going to be so interesting to see how Val- Valkyrie plays. I think she's just going to be more of that badassness. And I can't wait to see King Valkyrie um, in here, and also Meek. Come on, Meek. Um, if you've if you've never read Planet Hulk, go read Planet Hulk, where Meek is surprisingly one of the deepest characters in that entire run, which is crazy to think about. Yeah. Um, so yeah, those are that's pretty much all the characters, at least from the trailers. Not a ton of characters to go through. We obviously have Olympus and the other crew that we need to talk about. But first and foremost, I want to talk about Taika's 
directing style heading into Love and Thunder. Obviously, Ragnarok we love, but um, Sweet Child of Mine, the colors, just the aesthetic of the costumes being bigger and brighter this time. Are we yeah. excited for Taika's evolution in the MCU? Yeah, absolutely. But you know what? Bad podcasting. Of course you're excited. We're all excited. What are you most looking forward to <laughs> mm. see back from the Taika we got in Ragnarok? Like what, what from Ragnarok are you excited to get again here from an aesthetic directing style? I mean, like you've mentioned, the color. Uh, I think the contrast, too. Like, I feel like sometimes people can be really, like, snobby about the MCU looking gray, which wasn't really a thing in Ragnarok. I I could see it in maybe some other scenes, but, like, I think... Yeah, right. (sighs) Yeah. Um, I think Taika does a great job of really showing, like, color anywhere he can, whether he's fighting Surtur, whether it's at the end on the bridge, you know, whenever. Um, he he's not afraid of it, and I think that this this movie is going to really like expand on that. I think Olympus is going to be a really cool um, like place to explore and look around and just take it in. Uh, and then also like that, what are we calling it? The like negative zone with negative with realm. I think is negative something I saw. Yeah. Okay. Negative realm. Whenever it like that stark like black and white that's gonna be so much fun throwing color into that like that's such a fun idea and i think we've only scratched the surface with the marketing see that's another positive of it being so short i feel like they didn't have to show everything right because they didn't have all that time to kind of like sit on things so really with taika stylistically awesome it's just his storytelling like he did such a phenomenal job with ragnarok um in so many ways like his creative mind is just out there i i'm a fan of some of his other work Jojo Rabbit is an amazing movie. Um, and I, I just think I'm curious how far it goes. Like, I, I think they really gave him the keys on this one. Foggy's like, here you go. Like, people liked Ragnarok, made a bunch of money. Like, Taika, do what you want to do, right? Similar like with Star Wars right now. They're like, make a Star Wars movie. Figure it out. Do it. Um, I'm curious how far it goes with the comedy. Because <laughs> they could really go far. But It'll be yeah. the balance. Yeah, exactly. I, I'm hoping it stays balanced and just... I know I I am so confident. I know people are already being critical of like some marketing stuff. I'm so confident this movie is going to look fantastic. I couldn't agree more. Um, Something that's underrated in Ragnarok that I think um, is going to transfer really well over here. Love and Thunder. uh, Sakaar. The world Mm. of Sakaar was so awesomely built out. It wasn't like fleshed out in any like intricate way. You just kind of knew when you got there based on how the people talk to each other and you know, everything the grand masters said and did just gave you a personality of this planet in such an immediate way. Having that come into Olympus, you know, where we're probably going to get the same thing where we're like, you'll understand the personality of Olympus right away. That's the kind of thing I think Taika Waititi does in a very underrated sense. James Gunn does a very good job of it. Ryan Coogler's the king of it. We've only seen him do it one time. So I think Taika's got a chance to keep that going with the guns and Kuglers of the world to just keep building out new places in the universe. And obviously we expect Olympus to go down, (laughs) but uh, we will see that for sure. And one other thing that Taika does that I'm really excited to see and feel in this. And there are two movies I've watched in the past week that have done the opposite of this. And it bugs me a little bit. And like, I, it almost started as a joke with Falcon winter soldier um, where characters would just kind of walk into a room. You know what I mean? The blocking, I just didn't love. And it seemed so nitpicky at the time. And then I watched Thor dark world. And the first time Jane and Thor see each other after years, Thor is quite literally just standing off to the left. 
You know what I mean? And that's his entrance and all that stuff. Right. Then I watched a small movie called Phantom Menace. Mm. And the first time we see the Jedi Council is literally a hard cut into a council room. And I counted 12 people on the screen at the same time. And that's the first time we see Yoda. That's the first time we see Mace Windu. That's the first time we meet Kit Fisto. That's the first time we see the Jedi Council is just in a conference room, wide cut, and then we're right into a conversation. Look Mm. at Ragnarok, how we met Valkyrie, how we met the Grandmaster, Mm. how we met the Incredible Hulk. Like these magnificent cinematic energetic entrances just bring so much personality to the characters they're attached to and i can't wait to see more of that here in love and thunder especially with zeus gore valkyrie again korg again thor again everybody you know what i mean it's gonna be it's gonna be really fun to see how taika brings the pieces together um uh, about olympus um the the marketing i think if it's done anything it's shown us a lot of olympus and it's shown us that there's going to be a big action scene happening there. So, um, so I guess I've, I've never asked you this on the podcast. Do, do we think Zeus bites it here? You have to assume so, to, right? It see, it it seems like they're setting that up pretty clearly. I mean, maybe he doesn't, I'm curious what the, the plot of this movie is not really clear yet, there which is great <laughs> there. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's like, why are we going from point A to point B? How does Gore get involved? How does Zeus get involved? How does even Jane appear? What's which I love back thing. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I love the fact that we've just gotten a lot of like highlight reels so far. And yes. we don't really know what from, you know, A to Z, how we're getting anywhere. Right. We can predict like where in the story something is, but we have no idea the actual like events that occur so yeah i i may, <laughs> i think zeus is gonna die but who knows what the actual story is gonna be for 100 the only uh thing i want to say on olympus it's something me and liam came up with a few weeks ago and it's probably my new favorite thing is that gore comes in with thor and valkyrie and jane there dude the jane hammer breaking apart coming back thing is going to be so amazing. good like that's a video game like that's 100 yes. a video game um there's a big battle at Olympus. We meet Gore. The, our heroes meet Gore for the first time, maybe. And I think someone dies, probably Zeus, and Olympus falls. You know, mm-hmm. Morgan Freeman. And and Olympus goes down. We go on throughout the rest of the movie. Thor gets revenge on all this stuff. The movie happens. post credit scene. Someone comes home to Olympus, finds that it's been destroyed, and his father Zeus is dead. And Hercules is pissed. Nice. Maybe that is Hercules in the MCU. That could be an incredible Love thing, that. and it also could be Henry Cavill, which could be oh, very, very. Don't cool. tease me. <laughs> I think it could be awesome. Um, we talked about the future of the character already. Uh, let's move into predictions here. I got three predictions I want to go through, and then we'll get out of here and go see Thor: Love and Thunder. Yeah. Um, this is a big one. How long do you think the Guardians of the Galaxy are in this movie? Um, let's give it. Divide each act into a half. So half act one, half act one, half act two. You Mm. know what I mean? How many half acts do you think the Guardians play here? One. One half act? Yeah, I'm like, I was going to say, if you were going to do an over-under, I was going to take the under on anything you would have said. I think that they play (laughs) (laughs) one minute under. Um, I think they play a very small role in this movie. That's like a big, that's like a, a prediction of mine. I think that they are there at the beginning of the movie and then they dip 
And then that's it. Like, I think I do not. I don't think they were on set that long. I don't think that they are really playing an integral part in most of the film. I think because at the beginning, at the end of Endgame, he goes off with the Guardians. So at the beginning of this movie, he'll start with the Guardians. There'll be some battling and stuff. I think some time will have passed and they'll have like been together for a bit. And then somehow they split apart and the Guardians go off and do Guardians of Galaxy Volume 3. Right. And the holiday special. That's my opinion. I do not. So I would say I would take the half act uh, bet here. I think and I think it literally will be that first half act of act one and then they'll be gone and it'll be fun while it lasts. But then it'll become more of a Jane Foster Thor movie. I agree. I think it is one half act. I do think it's the beginning. They even show a clip in the trailer where the uh, help me ship Guardians. Oh, gosh, I, I was about I was about to say Quinjet, which is no, not it. It's a cookie. The mulatto. Nailed it. Nailed it. Hell yeah. Um, it's the, the one mul- outside of the Epcot uh, yeah. ride. Yeah. Yeah. All right. All yeah, right. yeah. It looks really cool. Um, they show the mulatto going through one of the hexagon transport things. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, so they are going to leave at some point for sure. I just can't get over the fact that we are going to get Guardians content in this movie we're going to yeah. catch up with the guardians we're going to know what they've been doing we're going to know what their new dynamics are what does nebula look like after being an avenger nebula and rocket are avengers and now yep. they are rejoining the guardians of the galaxy like what is that dynamic looking now do they say avenger at any point like how cool would that be you right. know what i mean because like you know you can nitpick and you know work around it rocket and nebula full-fledged avengers one thousand percent right they were a part of a team yeah hundred percent so having those two back in the fold is fun i we get to hear chris pratt talk again you know what i mean and gamora man not in his mario voice either yeah yeah hey listen i think mario's gonna be good whatever i'm excited i'm excited too i wish it was live action um (laughs) i think that if we get an update on gamora that's huge that's so huge and you know james gunn loves that efficiency thing you know what i'm saying james gunn loves being able to um, do work in one place to make up for it in the other. I think there is even a quote, like he was involved in this movie, obviously him and Taika, good friends. Um, I think there was a quote where like what the guardians do here catches people up to get to volume three, the way he wanted it without Endgame. Yeah. Consider it like this book of Boba Fett. Exactly. What do we get in that? We have two episodes of the Mandalorian. Basically, this is that in, in probably a better way, but we'll probably get more of a, Hopefully a better story in Thor, of Thor than we got of Boba Fett, in my opinion. Um, just, but yeah, yeah. I think that, that's what I'm that's what I'm hoping it is. I'm hoping it's like, hey, we have the little Guardians like side story, like, you know, a little that. bit where it's connected and it takes us zoom straight to the holiday special, straight to volume three. And we're in it right. We get we can hit the ground running and we kind of know what this phase four, phase five, whatever we're going to be calling it by then team is. I couldn't agree more. Um, and also. You know, I think that the holiday special could play that role as well. Even more catch up so we can get to volume three and go. Just yeah. go. Yep. Um, I think about the people who aren't watching Book of Boba Fett and are excited about Mando 3. And they're going to turn it on and Grogu's going to be back. And they're going to be like, what the hell well, happened? What happened? Yeah. Like, I th- this was a whole thing at the end of the last one. I don't even. Yeah. Ugh. Um, so one last Guardians note. You know, I got to get my Guardians talking, David. I'm sorry. Just Love it. Gotta do. Uh, Sweet child of mine. The theme of this movie, it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. It's such a resonating song, but we are also getting the Guardians. Do you think we get another needle drop from the Guardians here? Do we think we get a Guardians needle drop, or do you think that is Sweet Child of Mine? I like that the latter thing you said. I like how that is the needle drop for Guardians. Um, 
but I think we get a bunch of different music in this one. I think it is Guardian. I think it won't be as to the Guardians level, but I think it'll be Guardians-esque, especially I know for a fact, I would bet the house that when we are in a Guardians plus Thor action scene, something, Sweet Child of Mine or something is playing. Yeah, there is a needle drop um, from the 1980s, probably, (laughs) or whatever. Early 80s specifically. (laughs) Yeah, and just crank that, and we are off, and we're having a great time. Um, this movie's gonna be a thrill ride. Like the more I'm talking about it right now, it's like there's no way this movie's not fun. At the very yeah. least, there's no way this movie is not just a jolly good time. Like when I'm seeing it opening night, um, and I, I'm going with like I think five friends or something, like I know for a fact it's going to be a great night. Like I I this movie, Taika to me and everything happening with it, it guarantees that. Maybe maybe it shits the bed. Maybe I, I hate it, but I really doubt that. I think this movie's gonna be so much fun. Hundred percent, and then you know this is stick on the table, and it feels like you know, well, poor you. I am going to see this early. I'm going with one friend and a press screener, so like right. there's usually like ten people in the theater, which is cool. It's a very cool experience. It's very VIP feeling to get the big IMAX theater with nobody around you. It's an interesting feeling, yeah. um, but. It's these kind of movies. I had it with No Way Home, too. Like, the first time I saw it, I wish I could just cheer with my friends right now. You know, like, yeah. I, I was so excited to see No Way Home with my friends because I knew the moments we were all going to cheer. And that was really cool. Yeah. Um, so, David, we said that there really isn't a plot presented here. Uh, gore kills gods. Thor is God. Clash. That's the most we know about the plot, right? <laughs> yeah. One prediction for Thor, Love and Thunder. It could be story, it could be plot, it could be a death, it could be an action scene, whatever it is. Besides the Guardians thing, one Love and Thunder prediction. Yeah, I've been kind of holding on to this one. I <gasps> think I think Jane dies. I think this is I think I think Natalie Portman. This is her one return and it's a really sad ending. We're not maybe not like complete ending, but I I think she's so big. I know she's huge. She couldn't be bigger. She's pumping it. I think either she dies or she has to give up the 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 Thor mantle. Maybe maybe that's just it. But I kind of think she dies. I, I kind of think there is that like, and I think that's like that sad moment when there's like 15 minutes left in the movie, and then for the like 15 minutes we kind of like recover and kind of like get them get us back to a better state. You know, um, similar like a la the end of like the Amazing Spider-Man two. I know it's not a a great movie but like it won't be have the same impact either but it could be kind of close um i i genuinely think um someone's got to die in this movie and i think it's jane foster they brought her yeah. back for this it's awesome that natalie portman's back at all she'll have her shining moments she'll it'll be an awesome story and then i think she she passes away um which would be brutal for thor because he's gone <laughs> through so much and maybe that's the reason <laughs> that's they wouldn't do it um yeah <laughs> I mean, we're just putting him through it in the MCU, but uh, I'm sticking to it. I think it's going to happen. Um, I just want to see her giggle again. I really do. Um, I ah. love Natalie Portman. I grew up loving Natalie Portman. Like, Star Wars made Natalie Portman a lot of a young boy's first crush. Yes. You know what I mean? A lot of people's first crush was Padme, and that's a really Attack cool the clones. Thing. Yeah. Yep. The white <clears throat> cut off, dude. Um, but um, if I had a death prediction, cord, but... Um, mm, think, I yeah. mean, we be, we like, like Jane That's dies, Jane dies, we're sad, Korg dies, we're crying, <laughs> like, like tears. I like how that is the order. It's That's not really like, what it is. <laughs> I know, but I mean, imagine yeah, if plot, Luis died in the next eight minutes, you'd be that would be tragic. Balling. Yeah, you'd be balling. 
Um, there's that scene of Jane in the tomb with the living tribunal and death and the watcher and all that stuff. So I do think there's like a lore thing happening here that I don't think has been played in the trailers very much. Maybe somebody transferring into the Odin force could be cool. Dying the same way Odin dies and becoming mm. that omnipotent being. That could be cool. My one prediction, it's so small, so stupid, but I do, I want to, I want to, I want to claim it. And I want to be excited when I get it right. Do you remember No Way Home? Let's Scooby-Doo this crap. How much better was How could I forget? this shit? Yeah. You know what I mean? Let's Scooby-Doo yep. this shit was so much better than let's Scooby-Doo this crap. Like, yeah. so much better. I think that that scene where Mjolnir floats in front of Thor and then comes back and we get the hero shot of Jane for the first time, I am almost positive Chris Hensworth does not look at the camera and go, Jane? I'm positive I... that's not in this movie. <laughs> Like, love that. No I love that movie. prediction. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I need that prediction because that sucks. <laughs> it's, it's, it's bad. That's um, a great one. Yeah. But um, yeah, so I, I think that Jane will be cut. It's small. I don't get a ton of points if I get it right, but I do think I'm going to get it right. Playing the game. Um, last one, and then we'll get out of here. Post-credit yeah. prediction for Thor, Love, and Thunder. Ooh, I'm coming in hot with this one. Will <laughs> Poulter. Give it Ooh. to me. Adam Warlock. Because I, I think <laughs> I think that the I think an obvious post credit scene or one of them, I think there's probably going to be two. I think one of them would make a lot of sense if it was a Guardians tease. Yeah, 100%. Like this is a we talked about it earlier. This is a like prequel to Guardians 3, right? This is a connecting. This is like the M- MCU at its best. Everything adds on its other. You have to watch right. this in order to get that. You have to watch that in order to get this. In our reality, Thor 4 is critical for Guardians of the Galaxy 3, right? That's the world we live in in 2022. And I think that that, like I, and it goes along with my prediction, I think. We get the Guardians at the beginning, right? They go off and we don't know what they're doing next. Uh-oh, it's a post credit scene and we get something to nibble at for the next Guardians of the Galaxy, which comes in what's going to be 10 months from when this movie is released, right? And we're rolling, baby. We're, we're rolling. So that's mine. Um, A, a little... Other one I would I would love to see. I don't think it's gonna happen though. I would love to see a Loki tease, but that would that wouldn't contextually Take make away. much sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but it'd be cool. That's the kind of thing where they need to be careful with multiverse. Like having a post credit scene set in a different universe, it yeah. immediately raises the question: Where are we? What are we doing? Right. Right. Um, so that'll be interesting. I like that. Like that would be like a post credit scene. I guess, <laughs> I guess Bruce Campbell was in a different universe. The Multiverse of Madness post credit scene, but that doesn't really count. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Bruce Campbell's a treasure. He really is. He's a beautiful pizza human papa. Being. Oh, he's, he's the best. Yeah, the best. Um, so yeah, I said my Hercules one. I love the Will Poulter call. I do think that something Guardians could come up. I I have a very. I don't know if you've heard this. I've said it on this podcast before. A very long-running theory about the Eternals are, you know, machine-like gods created by Celestials to be better than everybody. Well, uh, the uh, Sovereign in Guardians 2, very much a fan of being better than everybody. And they are mm-hmm. also creating somebody to be the best of them, Adam. I think Adam could be like a, a makeshift Eternal. You know what I mean? Like they're built in the same way. So maybe an Eternals come up, you know, Guardians still related, but maybe something with Barry Keegan or Angelina Jolie or Ma- Ma- Macari you know, on the ship. 
Harry Styles could be a big part. You know I mean? Harry like, Styles, like, like throw that, him out there. Harry Styles, quite like I've I've only seen him act once in what, Dunkirk. What did I, see? I didn't see Dunkirk. What else was he in? I have no idea. He's in hey, that um, uh, don't worry, darling, movie coming out. So but... I've never seen. Oh, hey, that looks good, by the way. With oh, you, that looks creepy. Um, it looks amazing. Yeah. So I've never seen Harry Styles act, but, but um, <laughs> we saw him for a second in Eternals and he was, and he was magnificent. You know what I mean? Like I, I'm, I'm a fan of Harry Styles music. I'm a fan of his character. He's a sex icon and I appreciate that. And I appreciate his embodiment of that. So having him come in and be this star Fox kind of suave guy again, you know, I, I just, I don't know. The more they implement, he is this charismatic, charming, you know, everybody loves him guy. The more they push that in, when he turns and becomes the biggest creep of all time, I think it's going to be huge. So um, <laughs> I, I, I think maybe an Eternals reference coming in here, uh, cool. tying some things together could be very cool. Ladies and gentlemen, that is our Thor Love and Thunder Primer. Please hit me and David up on the Twitters. And let us know what your predictions are for Thor Love and Thunder. That's at David Thompson with two A's. And that's at Matt Rimke, R-O-E-M-B as in boy, K-E. She's got eyes of the bluest skies. Ladies and gentlemen, see you next time.